1: The book of the second Kings story of Elijah and Elisha and now the Lord was going to take Elijah up to heaven in in a windstorm and Elijah and Elisha were leaving Gilgal Elijah said to Elisha stay here because the Lord has sent me to Bethel but Elisha said as the Lord lives and as you live I won't leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The group of prophets from Bethel came out to Elisha. These prophets said to Elisha, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Elisha said, yes, I know. Don't talk about it. Elijah said, Elisha, stay here because the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives, And as you live, I won't leave you. So they went to Jericho. The group of prophets from Jericho approached Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? He said, Yes, I know. Don't talk about it. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, because the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as you live, I won't leave you. So the both of them went on together. Fifty members from the group of prophets also went along, but they stood at a distance. Both Elijah and Elisha stood beside the Jordan River. Elijah then took his coat, rolled it up, and hit the water. Then the water was divided into two. Both of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, What do you want me to do for you before I'm taken away from you? Elisha said, Let me have twice your spirit. Elijah said, you've made a difficult request. If you can see me when I'm taken from you, then it will be yours. If you don't see me, it won't happen. They were walking along talking. Then suddenly a fiery chariot and fiery horses appeared and separated the two of them. Then Elijah went to heaven in a windstorm. Elisha was watching and he cried out, oh, my father, my father. Israel's chariots and its riders. When he could no longer see him, Elisha took hold of his clothes and ripped them in two. Then Elisha picked up the coat that had fallen from Elijah. He went back and stood beside the banks of the Jordan River. He took the coat that had fallen from Elijah and hit the water. He said, where is the Lord, Elijah's God? And when he hit the water, it divided in two. Then Elisha crossed over. The group of prophets from Jericho saw him from a distance. They said, Elijah's spirits has settled on Elisha. So they came out to meet him, bowing down before him. The word of God for the people of God.
0: Pray with me. Gracious God, may I preach your word and not my own. And may your people hear your word and your good news in spite of my failures. Amen. What a story. The two continue to walk. The two are talking. A rolled up cloak splits the waters and then they were walking along talking when suddenly a fiery chariot and fiery horses appeared and separated the two of them. Then Elijah went to heaven in a windstorm. Elisha was watching and he cried out, oh my father, my father, Israel's chariots and its riders. And when he could no longer see him, Elisha took hold of his clothes and ripped them in two. When we meet the fantastic in Scripture, when we read astounding things, what are we supposed to do with it? And there's no end of fantastic things in Scripture. Moses at Sinai with thunder and lightning and earthquakes and a God that doesn't show his face. Job hearing God in the whirlwind and and Elijah hearing God in the silence. Jonah in a fish for three days. Isaiah, I saw the Lord sitting on a high and exalted throne, the edges of his robe filling the temple. Winged creatures were stationed around him, each had six wings. With two they veiled their faces, with two their feet, and with two they flew about. Ezekiel, he's the one with the wheels in the sky. As I watched, suddenly, a driving storm came out of the north, a great cloud of flashing fire with brightness all around its center, and in the middle of the fire, there was something like gleaming amber, and inside, there were forms of four living creatures. Not just in the Old Testament, not just in the Hebrew Bible, but in the New Testament, John's Revelation, After this, I looked, and there was a door that had been opened in heaven. The first voice that I heard, which sounded like a trumpet, said to me, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once, I was in a spirit-inspired trance and saw a throne in heaven, and someone was seated on the throne. The one seated there looked like jasper and carnelian, and surrounding the throne was a rainbow that looked like an emerald. What are we to do with these words? What are we to do with this vocabulary of wonder? Now, it seems to me we have three options. One is to put on our scientific rational hat and entirely discount these visions. We can put them into scripture as being just fiction, and and with that, maybe all scripture is fiction. That doesn't lead to anything useful or we can attempt to rationalize the fantastic. I've heard wonderful stories of how the manna that came down from heaven could have been a natural occurrence, of of how the splitting of the Red Sea was really the splitting of a Reed Sea because of wind. And I've read that Ezekiel's wheels of turning was, was somehow associated with extraterrestrials. It doesn't seem that that gets us very far. Or we can just ignore these passages as we often do and get to the meat of it. But that really doesn't help either. You see, scripture, every part of scripture is meaningful. It has something to teach us, but we, we have to work. And there's then that fourth option of work. We can read these passages as a very human attempt to describe what can't be described, as a very human attempt to to give words where there aren't good enough words to do it. We can see these passages as a struggle to describe what can't be described and to share feelings and impressions and experiences for which there are no good words. This really should be something, though, that we're comfortable in doing. I think most of us have used expressions like, I was just dead, or I felt like I was flying, that I was on cloud nine. I was high as a kite. For some of us of a certain generation that came of age in the 1960s, there's always that word psychedelic. Now... We've been following along Brian McLaren's book that we make the road by walking, and when he gets to today's scripture, he talks about how we can read this scripture with its historical context, but we shouldn't get distracted by fireworks. And he goes on to say that we can interpret scripture using, in his words, science and art and heart. For McLaren, we use science to research the historical background, then art to read this poetry, this narrative literature, and then the heart to understand it, that we should be, and he says, quoting, guided by a humble, teachable heart that listens for the voice of the Holy Spirit. This, in somewhat different words, is what we Methodists do when we come to scripture. As Methodists, we are not literalists. We don't read the scripture literally. If it's plain and plain meaning, we read the plain meaning, but always in context. The Bible was written for us, but not to us. It has a very different cultural heritage than the one we're in. So when Jesus says, for example, that it's better to pluck out your eye than to sin, We know he's speaking in hyperbole. They heard it that way and so can we. We approach the hard parts with our reason. We look to tradition and we look to experience. Those are the three structures that we Methodists use in interpreting scripture. Tradition, reason, experience. And of course, always open to the Holy Spirit. So what do we do with a fiery chariot and a whirlwind? McLaren tells us to ignore these fireworks, but I I don't think that works. I think we lose something very important if we ignore those fireworks. First, we can't use science or tradition here. There's no science that explains fiery chariots taking away someone, and there's no tradition that we have of exiting life that way. We need to rely on our experience. Throughout this passage, Elijah and Elisha are walking in a liminal space. They're in a place between the living and the dead. They're in the place between the past, teacher and student, and the future, where the student becomes the prophet and the teacher. The space is real, but ephemeral. It's there, but not in the way that these four walls are here. You've had this experience, if you've ever been with someone who was dying, you've walked in those places. And if you've been there at the birth of a child, you've been in those places. And if you've come through a searing fear and danger, you've walked in those places and you've been caught up in the whirlwind of someone's love and beauty, you've walked in those places. Now, how do you describe those experiences? What words can you use? What words would you use? If you're still looking for an experience, try this experiment. What words would you use to describe the beauty of a rainbow to someone who's blind and has never seen one? I suspect you'd find it very hard. In today's reading and throughout scripture, we have these experiences laid out for us, experiences of confronting God, of being confronted by God, of confronting others and being confronted by others. And we can only reach these experiences with our own stories, our own experiences, and things that can't be fully described. This is how we can learn compassion, how we can learn to listen to another person's story when they cannot really fully describe their joy or their pain. If you have ever held anyone who was crying so much in grief, they couldn't tell you why. Or maybe you were that person being held. When they cannot find the words, but we can nonetheless find their feelings. Here today, we have the story of the joy of one going to God and the pain of another losing a guide and a teacher and a friend. We have a story of a prophet who leaves and a prophet who returns. It's why, by the way, in the New Testament that John the Baptist is asked if he's Elijah coming back. And Jesus, you might recall, is said by some to be Elijah. It's a story about prophets who are not awarded, rewarded in this lifetime. In the scriptures, the life of a prophet is a very hard one. So here is how that hardness can be rewarded. But mostly I think this is a story of vocabulary of wonder. Was it a fiery chariot that took him up in a windstorm? Or was it the explosion of Elisha's heart in losing his friend and teacher? It really doesn't matter. Just as it doesn't matter whether Ezekiel saw wheels within wheels or felt the dizziness of one confronted by a God of wonder and experience beyond any words to express. What matters is the depth of deep God-filled experience that can only be beyond our experience to express. This is a vocabulary of wonder that is the vocabulary of prayer. In our speaking to God about our longings and our fears and our loves and our wants and our hopes and our thanksgivings, we sometimes lose words. That's why the Holy Spirit groans in prayer when the words fail us. This is a good place to move into a time of prayer. As Christians, we're connected in many ways. Let's pray. Gracious and merciful God who goes by many names, please listen to us. As we're gathered together in worship, we don't always understand what you tell us or even what we experience. We only understand your love. So gracious God, come to us in that love to those who sacrifice so much, not for themselves, but for their fellow human beings. Support us, gracious God, guide us. Let us find a rest for those who give up their lives, whether in flood or fire or war zones. Bring us into your healing eternal rest and surround our loved ones with merciful support. Bless those who serve the poor and the hungry and the homeless in humility. Bless those who've dedicated their lives to serving us and others our nurses and doctors, our medical people, our first responders, our police and fire, our sanitation and water and gas, and those who repair our roads. Gracious God, bless and give your peace to all our people who are in the military, that they may pass safely through any danger. Bless, too, our political leaders. Let them not act in their own interests or out of their own fears and out of their own power, but rather, for working in peace and your justice. We pray too for your church and for the unity in your church. Gracious God, remember your covenant, your promises to us, and listen as we pray for your merciful help in the words taught to us by your Son. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven.